It wouldn't make any sense at all to build a GraphQL client and make it not open source. It's a specification and not a specific library, so it's open to implementations in a variety of languages, a variety of client technologies. The idea behind Apollo is it's kind of an overarching name for a set of different tools we're working on to make GraphQL easier, more straightforward, and better to use. If we find something that puts it in conflict with a different adjacent tool you might want to be using, then we work hard to make it so it is compatible with those things. One of our main tenets of Apollo is that each part can sort of be used individually and integrates with as many things as possible. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. So welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. We've got Sashko. Hello. Hey, I'm uh, the tech lead on the Apollo open source team. And then we've also got Jonas on the line calling in from Taiwan. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, usually I'm in SF, but yeah. Hi, I'm Jonas. Uh, I work on Apollo Client and some of our other Apollo open source projects at MDG. Cool. So let's like let's jump right into it. The listeners are probably really interested in knowing what Apollo is. So can one of you guys explain what is Apollo? Let's give us the uh, the cliff notes, and then we can jump into like uh, even more questions after that. Yeah, this is definitely a good first question because I feel like you always go to websites and they don't tell you what the thing is, right? So yeah, the idea behind Apollo is it's kind of an overarching name for a set of different tools we're working on to make GraphQL easier, more straightforward, and better to use. So. The main concept is that we think GraphQL is a really great technology. Um, it's really well designed, but the ecosystem of tools around it is not super mature yet. So we're trying to fill in the gaps where we think we can have the most impact. And uh, the biggest tool that we're working on that uh, we put the most effort into and a lot of people are using is Apollo Client, which is a JavaScript GraphQL client that works with pretty much every UI library, including React and Angular and Vue.js. And then uh, we have some server side tools and also. We're working on native mobile clients. We have a Apollo iOS client, and then also some production commercial services like Optics, which is a tool that lets you um, inspect your server-side GraphQL API in production. So. Cool. GraphQL is an interesting topic because we just had an episode on GraphQL with uh, Kyle Daigle from GitHub. He talked a bit at the GraphQL Summit where we met, and they also talked at GitHub Universe. I guess my question is, how did you guys? How are you guys so forward-thinking about GraphQL? When GraphQL only came out of developer preview in August, like were you guys already working on something similar prior to this? Like, how are you so far far ahead of the curve? I guess is the question I'm looking for an answer for. Yeah, so we just completely think GraphQL is is the right solution. The kinds of problems that it's solving. Yeah, we started. We were you know at some of the conferences and stuff when it was originally announced, and uh, we found it pretty intriguing. And in parallel, you know, a lot of us have worked on Meteor in the past as well. Yeah. And uh, Meteor has a very sophisticated data system. And the way we got super interested in GraphQL was we were trying to bring the principles of that data system to a wider variety of front ends and back ends. So the part about GraphQL that appealed to us the most was that it solved a lot of the problems we've seen before in data loading systems, specifically the ability to fetch a lot of related data in one request was something that uh, came up over and over again, and not too many systems had solved. But the other thing that's really important is that it's a specification and not a specific library, so yeah. um, it's open to implementations in a variety of languages, 
a variety of backend data stores, a variety of client technologies. So it was something that we felt comfortable really investing in because it didn't limit us to any particular set of those things. Yeah. So how does Apollo Client kind of integrate with GraphQL at this point then? Yeah, so uh, Apollo Client, as the name kind of says, is a GraphQL client, and we, we've written in TypeScript, so it's used by people mostly in the browser, but also uh, for React Native. And what the GraphQL client helps you do is send requests and cache those responses on the client. Because unlike host requests, for example, which don't give you a lot of information about what data you're getting back, you actually know what part of the tree you're requesting because the GraphQL request contains that information. So what you can do is, across different requests, you can cache content, and if you make a similar request that overlaps with something that you already have in the cache, then Apollo Client can serve that from the cache before it hits the server, or when you make a second request, it can update a part of the cache that was requested by a first request and thus keep your UI consistent. So that's pretty much the main purpose uh, of Apollo Client. Cool. So I peaked at GraphQL a year ago, I guess I went around after the, the React Conf, and I know they kind of led with Relay. How would GraphQL and Relay like stand next to each other? So Relay is actually more comparable to Apollo Client than GraphQL. So while GraphQL is the specification for the query language, yeah. Relay and Apollo Client are GraphQL clients, which means they help you send GraphQL requests and keep your UI consistent and integrate that with UI layers. So Relay, for instance, integrates with React. It has its own Relay router. And Apollo Client integrates with React, Angular, and I think people have also made integrations for Vue.js and Polymer now. So Relay is more like Apollo Client than GraphQL. But using GraphQL just alone without a GraphQL client gets kind of tedious because then you're still just at the level essentially of sending post requests and having to do all the hard work yourself on the client with you know making sure that your UI stays consistent if you do several requests that send back overlapping data. You kind of led with this, Shosko, of saying that Apollo is just, there's not a lot of tooling with GraphQL at the moment, and Apollo is kind of solving that problem kind of pushing the space forward. Is that correct? Yeah, so Apollo is basically informed by a lot of the needs we heard from people that we talked to back when we were initially investigating GraphQL. So one of the first things we did was uh, talk to dozens or maybe even hundreds of people who had used different data systems, had used GraphQL in the past or were using it currently. So you know, Apollo Client is newer than Relay, so it learns from a lot of the things that Relay did and you know, we like to think improves on a lot of them. And currently is, uh, as far as we can tell, the most popular choice for people who are using GraphQL with their React or Angular apps. So that's been pretty interesting, and uh, it'll be interesting to see in 2017 what happens in the GraphQL client ecosystem as well. Basically, when GraphQL first came out, Relay was the client that Facebook shipped with it to start with, yeah. and a lot of the talks introduced them at the same time. But as we're moving into GraphQL becoming more of a standard with a lot more people using it, there are now uh, a lot more options for all different parts of the stack. Cool, and I, th- I think it's important too. Is that I mean, you guys are really pushing the space too. Not you, not only do you integrate with React, but you also integrate with other front end libraries that, like Vue.js, you mentioned. I know I just saw yesterday another guy had put out his own version of the Ember Apollo library or the client rather. 
um, which is super intriguing because I, I like using Ember for quick and dirty like prototype apps that are, can be very CRUD focused. I'd like to try that out eventually. Yeah, and I think one one cool thing to mention is one of the primary principles of Apollo, if you go to our website, is basically being compatible and integrated with stuff. Yeah. So it's not just view layers, it's also a variety of other technologies. Like people have integrated it. So it integrates deeply with Redux, first of all, and DevTools and stuff like that. People have used it with MobX and Cycle.js. You can use it with various tools that make it work offline. You can use it with React Native. Basically, the idea is, you know, if we find something that puts it in conflict with a different adjacent tool you might want to be using, then we work hard to make it so it is compatible with those things. Because we don't think people should have to go create a totally new library just because there's something that's blocking them from using it with their other favorite tool. Yeah. And that's good to hear too, because like questions that come to me, because I've been using GraphQL for a couple months now, and they come up to me is like things like this normal things you would normally do with REST, like off tokens and um, any sort of like handling of data that goes between an API and a client. I guess at the heart of GraphQL, it doesn't take the place of your REST API, but it enhances it really by adding that. So I know there's another thing called Apollo Server. Like, how would that difference between the the actual client? So uh, Apollo Server is a server library that we um, wrote a while back, and basically when you do GraphQL, it's just a specification of a query language, and so you need the server part to basically fulfill those GraphQL queries, and you need the client part, although the client part is sort of more optional. You could also just send query strings. Now, uh, Apollo Server was sort of something we started because we felt that it wasn't easy enough to write a GraphQL server. So GraphQL queries are pretty easy to understand. It's just like this nested JSON-like string that you send. But writing a GraphQL server is a little bit trickier because you have to understand a bunch of new concepts like uh, resolve functions. And so what we did with Apollo Server initially was that we took that schema language, which uh, GraphQL defines as well in the spec, we took the schema language and we automatically translated that into a GraphQL schema and sort of into an executable schema and added resolvers to that. And then we started realizing that people actually wanted to sort of, you know, have an all-in-one solution and not put all the pieces together. So that's kind of where Apollo Server came from. So now we've gotten it to work with Express, Koa, Happy, and I think Connect. And we're really looking towards the community for you know what to build in Apollo Server for what they need to make kind of writing GraphQL servers easier. Okay, and then as far as Apollo, the team, how big is the team at the moment? Well, I think to preface this question before I even answer that, I think the most critical part of Apollo is that we're working with as many people in the community as we can. So, like lots of critical features are built by people who don't work at a specific company, including pretty much. All of the UI integrations, like 80% of Apollo Server, etc. So having said that, the core team is, I think, five people. So that's five people working full time on various parts of uh, the technologies. Uh, Apollo employees. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. And then you mentioned open source, which I was going to get at too as well, because that's why I want to ask about the team. All Apollo code is open source at the moment. Is that correct? Or do you guys have? Yeah. So there are kind of two parts to the story. One is we think GraphQL is the right way for people to build apps. You know, right now there are some compromises, but we hope in the future that there won't be really many compromises. It'll just be the most straightforward option that you should always use GraphQL. And then, you know, the plan is to build as many open source tools as we can to enhance that experience, and then 
for the tools where they need to be kind of production services that need to be operated, then we build those as production services that we can kind of sell to people. So like I said before, Optics is the first of those, which is a service that you pay for that collects data from your server and then displays it to give you kind of analytics and performance information. So like, you know, it wouldn't make any sense at all to build a GraphQL client and make it not open source. So that's what we're doing. And um, then for the things where people need that, need stuff in production or like additional tools, then that's where we're going to make some money. Cool. And as you mentioned, Optics is the first attempt to monetize part of this of this effort into moving into the GraphQL space. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So we figured that we should build a tool that is useful to pretty much anybody who's running a GraphQL server out there. So currently it integrates with any JavaScript server or any Ruby server. And uh, we're working on more integrations with the community. And basically it's the only GraphQL specific Performance and like analytics tool out there. So you turn it on, and right away you see stuff that is relevant to you as a GraphQL developer. Cool. And then, Jonas, you mentioned that the Apollo integrates with things like Happy and Koa, and those all JavaScript frameworks or server side frameworks. Uh, sorry, Apollo Server connects to those things. But one thing that actually really impressed me was that the fact that the community of GraphQL extends outside of this JavaScript. Um, so those like Go clients, there's Ruby clients, there's any most languages have support for GraphQL. How about Apollo? Does Apollo also support other languages? So if I have already built my GraphQL server to my database that's actually connected to different language besides JavaScript, does Apollo connect at all to those? Oh yeah, totally. So uh, as Sashko mentioned before, one of our sort of main tenets of Apollo is that each part can sort of be used individually and integrates with as many things as possible. So Apollo Client can be used with any server that's compatible with the GraphQL spec. So that includes like the Scala server, Go, it includes all the other servers basically that people have written that are compliant with the GraphQL spec. And Apollo Server is actually just a server for JavaScript or TypeScript. So if you want to run that on Node, and it can work with any GraphQL client. So it works with Relay just as well as it works with the Apollo client. The same is pretty much true of all our other open source libraries that we've built around GraphQL. So that's really one of the main things that we focus on that. You know, we don't want to build a stack where each part can only be used if you use most of the other parts of the stack. What we want to build is much more of a collection of individual libraries that can be combined with whatever else people want to be using because we found that that's almost the best way to guarantee that the things that we build are useful to the you know greatest number of developers yeah for Apollo I know you guys have been out for a bit quite a few months actually or maybe even a year or so now at the moment yeah I think the first stuff we released was in March of 2016 okay are there any companies out there that are using Apollo as their uh, their choice for GraphQL integrations? Yeah, there's a fair number. So like I said before, if you look at something like NPM downloads, um, it's the most widely used yeah. uh, GraphQL technology on the client. Um, in terms of people we've talked to who are using it in production, some examples that come to mind are Coursera, Credit Karma. We were talking to a few more. The thing is, I, I know who we've talked to, but I don't know which of them have okayed us to tell people that that's what okay. they're using. So we have a couple of examples of people who are really enthusiastic about supporting open source, yeah. but mostly we're we're just focused on enabling those people, and we haven't been as focused in collecting a bag of names, unfortunately. So cool. something to look at. I originally reached out to you guys right after the GraphQL summit. In between, I've actually 
was very a tinkerer in GraphQL. Now I'm actually building projects in GraphQL, which is interesting. I've also stumbled across learnapollo.org. Is that you guys? I think I saw someone's from Apollo's commits on there when I actually looked at the open source review. Is that part of you guys who put that together? So Learn Apollo is a website that was put together by GraphQL, okay. who are a company that's making a GraphQL backend as a service. And so, you know, as you can imagine, for them, it's really important for people who use their service that it's easy for them to learn the client part of that as well. Yeah. Um, so we were really lucky to be able to work with them together and people in the Apollo community to create that website. And they have some great kind of step-by-step tutorials of how to build an app. So yeah, it was actually uh, really fortunate for us that. You know, we're not the only ones producing Apollo learning materials now. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot of people who are interested in doing that, and it probably helps that you guys have open source code. You've got all your stuff out there. Aside from the Apollo Optics, which you guys mentioned, like if I wanted to see how Apollo works, I'm able to look at the code. I, I imagine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the only way to get people to contribute to it. Yeah, so pretty important. That's pretty awesome, and that's great. And I actually, so I, I did do the. React Native version and also the React version of Learn Apollo. They've actually, similar to what you said, Jonas, earlier, how you guys can connect to different front end tools. They've got all different types of Angular 2's got another, like basically there's different sections you can, just for the, obviously you guys know what it looks like, but for the listener, there's different sections where they have Angular 2, they've got Vue.js, all where you just build the same Pokemon Pokedex app and you can just connect it with your Apollo client, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, the one I'm really excited about, I don't know if this is like a spoiler alert. Well, it's not a spoiler to anybody who knows about Apollo, but we also have a native Swift iOS client. So okay. that's something you can expect to show up and learn Apollo eventually as well. If you're not interested in JavaScript at all, but you just want to build an iOS app with GraphQL, that'll be on there too. Yeah, that's huge too, because I've got some like iOS experience, and I think my most useful tool was Firebase whenever I built a iOS app, because I did not want to have to deal with Core Data. Core Data is a it's a bit of a learning curve when you you approach even Swift development. With Swift, I think is a breeze compared to Objective C, but Core Data was it's not as intuitive as far as uh, managing your data. So I've always opted to do a backend as a service. So I think I might look into that. I'm I'm a big fan of Apollo. Um, so what's what I've seen so far. So I'm actually looking forward to using it for my side projects going forward. And hope the listeners actually will do the same. Cool. Is anything you guys also wanted to mention too about Apollo? Maybe you guys are working on anything else. Maybe the only thing we didn't mention is that we're also working on an Android client, and this is with a bunch of people from the industry. I think including some people who work at Airbnb. I don't know if it's officially for Airbnb or if they're just working on that. Yeah, so that's also going to come out at some point in the near future. There was one thing actually in addition to that that we didn't mention, which was server-side rendering. Oh yeah, that's true. Basically on the topic of working with things that People want to work with. One of the things that we focused on was making server-side rendering basically trivial. So often when you're trying to do server-side rendering with React, you have to do something like move all of your data loading to the router. Yeah. Or like manually write code that listens for promises or something of that nature. So we took a different approach, I guess better could be a good word for it, where you can usually just take the app you wrote to run the client and it will server-side render itself correctly on the server because it will the Apollo server-side rendering tools will crawl your component tree for you, collect the data, wait for it to be fetched, and then render that stuff and like properly inline it into the HTML and rehydrate on the client and all that. So all you have to do is basically go to the docs and um, copy and paste some code, and you'll have a completely server-side rendered app in no time. Cool. How do I enable it? Sorry, is that a, a separate plugin that I have to ask for to get that to work? 
It's part of the React Apollo integration. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's something that's pretty hard to turn on by default because you know server side rendering is not as simple as it could be. I think in React in general. But once you've set up your server side rendering stuff that like gets the URL and passes it maybe into React Router or whatever, there's just like a simple code snippet you can put in there that just calls a function that like extracts the data from your UI tree and then passes that in. So yeah, you can if you just go to the main React docs that we have, there's directions okay, on how cool. to get that done. I'll have to check that out. Awesome. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to picks. So picks are basically anything that you're jamming on, hence the name jam. So it, it can be something tech related, but it also could be something entertainment related. So music, food, maybe a restaurant you checked out in Taiwan that we want to hear about eventually. But with that being said, I'll go first. I did have my first pick, which we did mention already, learnapollo.org. I highly recommend anybody who's interested in checking out more about Apollo. It's a good intro just to getting your feet wet if you're familiar with already JavaScript or um, some of those tools. Um, you can just build an app, connect Apollo, and kind of get your actually get a pretty good idea of what it's going to do for you, which is pretty awesome. So uh, I have a lot of experience with using GraphQL directly without using a client, mainly because I just kind of I was just more interested in GraphQL at the time. But having a client definitely helps. So handling stuff to like mutations in GraphQL and stuff like that, um, it's a breeze and it's almost trivial when you use Apollo with it. So check that out. I have another pick too, which is a, it's an entertainment related pick, which is a, a Netflix original series called Travelers. I just randomly found it on Friday night and basically finished it last night. So it's like a, a whole 12 episode first season. I won't give away the plot because I, if I get if I even talk about it, I'll just give it away too quickly for anybody. But I highly recommend checking out. It's a good good binge watch for the weekend. So check out Travelers on Netflix original series. Do you want to go next, Sasha? Sure. Yeah, I think my pick is a little bit more stale now after the Golden Globes or whatever. But I just everyone who hasn't seen La La Land yet, if you don't think you're gonna like it, I didn't think I was gonna like it. But now it's basically my favorite movie of last year. So I, I could not recommend it more strongly. There's probably something involved there, which is that I grew up in LA. So that might be a good, you know, temper to that. But but honestly, it's like a totally awesome movie. And you know, I thought it was gonna be some kind of like romantic comedy thing that, you know, I don't always like, but it was definitely uh, above and beyond what I expected. Is it better than Sing? Because I was pretty good. I haven't seen Sing. Yeah, I, I saw I Sing last weekend. Uh, that's I'm just gonna add that as my pick, another pick as well. But yeah, kids movie, DreamWorks, lots of music. It's not actually a musical. Um, it just has music in it. But it was actually better than I thought it was. I took my three year old to it, so that was my excuse. But I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it would have. Nice, Jonas. Do you have any picks you want to share? Yeah, so I've been in Taiwan for the last month and I've been here trying to learn Chinese. So most of the things or pretty much everything I did was uh, just using and speaking Chinese. So my both of my picks are something to do with Taiwan. Uh, the first one is a really good uh, green tea place that I found here. It's uh, it's called Ping An Jing Cha. And it's like this Japanese mocha place where they don't just have tea, but they also have a whole variety of desserts uh, that all have mocha in them. And Sorry, what's a mocha? <laughs> mocha is just this Japanese kind of green tea that they usually make with this like powder. The most common way you see it is that they have this cup of green tea and then they use a whisk to kind of whip it up and then it has a little bit of froth on the top and stuff. And I didn't know they made desserts with uh, that as well, but those are really delicious. So if you're ever in, in Taipei and you're feeling like having some green tea 
and green tea desserts, check out that Ping An Jing Cha. And my second pick is a Taiwanese movie. It's already quite old, but it's called Ting Shuo, which means sort of hear speak. And it's a movie about a, uh, a deaf and mute girl and sort of her story of how she, she met the guy and fell in love with him or how the guy met her and fell in love with him. I'm not very good at explaining this, but uh, it's it's a movie that I kind of enjoyed watching, and it was especially good because my Chinese wasn't that good yet when I arrived, so it was kind of good to watch a movie that didn't have too much uh, speaking in it. So I have to ask, did you you knew Chinese before you went to Taiwan? I did, yeah. Okay, so in one month, like on a scale of one to ten, how well has your Chinese improved? How much? Um, I would say, as always, at the beginning, it improved much more than it did towards the end. So I don't know, I'd say six or seven. But yeah, it's kind of, you know, you go into a new environment, you learn a bunch of new words. And then once you know those, you kind of have to push yourself to learn more. And kind of coming to Taiwan was sort of part of pushing myself. And but then once I was here after two or three weeks, it kind of you know levels off and you kind of have to push yourself even harder or kind of put yourself in a new environment where you where you learn new vocabulary cool i was going to say if uh, if you responded in chinese to my answer then i would have said it was a 10 but uh <laughs> i'm glad you were honest <laughs> i don't know how many of your listeners are fluent in mandarin um it'd be surprised we got to, we actually had a japanese guest uh, on one of our latest podcasts that are, haven't come out yet but we do spread the world, as far as I've seen on Twitter. So, if you're on Twitter and you're in uh, Taiwan or Taipei or even in China or somewhere in East Asia, definitely hit us up and let us know where you're from. Hashtag Jamstack Radio. That'd be awesome. With that being said, I just want to thank you, Jonas, and also Sashko for coming on and talking about Apollo. Uh, I do highly recommend uh, listeners check it out um, if you're interested in getting the GraphQL. It's a great, not only entry level but also even advanced level to get your GraphQL like actual production ready GraphQL apps working and working with the breeze. So check it out. We did mention Apollo has a website. They want to check it out. Yeah. So if you go to ApolloData.com, that's our homepage, and that has links to both the commercial stuff and the open source stuff. You know, I highly encourage people to contribute on GitHub. It's always, I think, frightening to contribute to open source projects, but. Um, that's one of the things that we're the most invested in is helping people do that. While I have the microphone here, I obligatory have to mention that we are hiring. So if you're interested in working on GraphQL stuff full time, either open source or commercial tools or DevOps type stuff, we're always looking for people who are passionate about that field. So I think you would have a great time if you joined our company. Awesome, and you guys are remote force too as well too. So that's right. Yeah, we have uh, our main office in San Francisco and uh, a lot of remote opportunities as well. So awesome. Well, thanks again, and guys, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 